This is where God calls Ezekiel to be a prophet. The first reading is from Ezekiel, the second chapter. And he said to me, Son of man, stand on your feet, and I will speak with you. And as he spoke to me, the Spirit entered into me and set me on my feet, and I heard him speaking to me. And he said to me, Son of man, I sent you to the people of Israel, to nations of rebels who have rebelled against me, rebelled against me. They and their fathers have transgressed against me to this very day. The descendants also are impudent and stubborn. I send, to you, I send you to them, and you shall say to them, Thus says the Lord God. And whether they hear or refuse to hear, for they, for, for they are a rebellious house, they will know that a prophet has been among them. This is the word of the Lord. The psalmony for today is from Psalm 123. To you I lift up my eyes, O you who are enthroned in the heavens. Behold, as the eyes of servants look to the hand of their master, as the eyes of a maidservant to the hand of her mistress. So our eyes look to the Lord our God, till he has mercy upon us. Have mercy upon us, O Lord, have mercy upon us, for we have had more than enough of contempt. Our soul has had more than enough of the scorn of those who are at ease, of the contempt of the proud. The second reading is from the second book of Corinthians, the 12th chapter. I must go on boasting. Though there is nothing to be gained by it, I will go on to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man was caught up into paradise. Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And he heard things that cannot be told, which man may not utter. On behalf of this man, I will boast. But on my own behalf, I will not boast, except of my weaknesses. Though if I should wish to boast, I would not be a fool for I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain from it, so that no one may think more of me than he sees in me or hears from me. So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. This is the word of the Lord.
The Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, the sixth chapter. He went away from there and came to his hometown, and his disciples followed him. And on the Sabbath he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? What is the wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and brother of James, and Joseph, and Judas, and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. And Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and among his relatives and in his own household. And he could do no mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. And he went about among the villages teaching. And he called the twelve and began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over the unclean spirits. He charged them to take nothing for their journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and not put on two tunics. And he said to them, Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you depart from there. And if any place will not receive you and they will not listen to you, when you leave, shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. So they went out and proclaimed that people should repent. And they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Today is the 4th of July, a day of outdoor barbecues, the American flag, and tons of fireworks. But more than that, Independence Day is a civil holiday that the United States commemorates the anniversary of the beginning of national independence from Great Britain. The Declaration of Independence was written and adopted 245 years ago in 1776, which freed the original 13 colonies, now known as states, from the reign of King George III. Some of the colonists even held mock funerals for King George as a way of symbolizing the end of the monarchy's hold on America and the triumph of freedom. In celebration of the first reading of the Declaration of Independence, concerts, bonfires, parades, the firing of cannons and guns accompanied the reading, a tradition that has been carried on this day by the shooting off of fireworks and the playing of songs written by our, about our national freedom. I'm sure many of you have plans to celebrate with family and friends, and those of you who are employed may be looking forward to a day off tomorrow a little freedom from work, and another day to have some fun or to just get some rest. Whatever your plans for the rest of the Independence holiday, I'm honored that you are here with your brothers and sisters in Christ, worshiping and staying connected to our Lord and to one another. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Staying connected. Our world offers all kinds of ways to stay connected. With technology today, there are many options to make people feel like they are still connected. 
even during times of complete isolation like COVID, when we were separated from the personal touch or a hug from friends and family. But now that we're spending more time back together, do you feel connected? For some, it's starting to feel normal again. We've got some of our freedom back to go out and about, socializing and making a go of it. But for the others, there is still fear and uncertainty. The unknown is often scary and faith is shaken. How is your faith? Do you feel connected at church? What or who do you feel connected to? What is it that makes you feel connected? Is it the people around you? Is it the ministries you're involved with? Do you still feel connected throughout the week? Or do you feel like your only connection is on Sunday mornings? If you're a visitor, do we as a church offer to help you get connected? Do you feel welcome? And more importantly for all of us, do you feel the Holy Spirit here? What about in your homes, at work, or in school? Do you feel the Spirit moving in your life? If you're looking for the answers from me, I don't have them. I may have suggestions for what we as a church can do when it comes to being or staying connected, but I certainly don't have all the answers. However, I do know a good place to start, and that's with our relationship with Christ. In each of our lessons this morning, faith and proximity to God, how connected we are, play a key role in being a disciple and having a prophetic voice. Each and every one of us, whether we like it or not, is called to share the good news of Christ with the world. It's not just for the person who stands before you on Sunday mornings, but rather it is for all. If we ourselves are not in a right relationship with the Lord, then how can we share him with others? If we ourselves are not in a right relationship with the Lord, how can we share him with others? Some of you may be comfortable with how you worship, study the Bible, and pray with where you are in proximity to the Lord. Some of you may not know where you are, yet all of us need the Lord. And believe me, standing before you and sharing this message is not an easy task. And I'm probably not telling you anything you haven't already heard at least once in the past. But if you take just one thing away from this message today, it will be a blessing. In our first lesson, the prophet Ezekiel tells us about his encounter with the Lord. But first, a little background. Ezekiel was a priest who lived during the greatest crisis in Israel's history, the destruction of Jerusalem and its temple, plus the exile of Judah's leading citizens to Babylon. He was among the approximately 10,000 citizens of Judah deported to Babylon when King Nebuchadnezzar invaded Jerusalem. His prophetic call came to him five years later at the age of 30, the year he should have begun his duties as a priest. In the chapter before our lesson, God appears to Ezekiel in a vision. What God enabled him to see was so awesome and overpowering that he fell on his face, fainting. 
When he opened his eyes, he saw an approaching fiery storm cloud out of which emerged four unearthly creatures propelling a four-wheeled chariot bearing a heavenly platform on which was enthroned the glory of the Lord, framed by the bright colors of a rainbow. Perhaps he didn't fully understand the significance of every detail, but he drew from this vision throughout his ministry. In chapter 2, where our lesson begins, the Spirit of the Lord entered into Ezekiel, speaking to him, and then sent him to the people of Israel, the nations of rebels, and to the descendants who were disrespectful and stubborn, with a message from God. This vision and his faith helped to make Ezekiel strong when he preached of the judgment of sins that was to come to Israel. He used hard words and no doubt got their attention. The vision and his faith gave him confidence when he spoke of the promise of hope and restoration. What God revealed to Ezekiel in the vision was to help motivate him for service to his people. His faith kept him in close proximity to God. Wouldn't it be awesome to have visions to keep us motivated? I know I wouldn't mind one now and then, but I better be careful what I wish for. The Lord called upon Ezekiel to deliver a message, a daunting task, but whether they heard or refused to hear, that wasn't for Ezekiel to be concerned with. What they would know is God did not forget them and that a prophet had been among them. Do we have prophets among us today? I believe the answer is yes. According to Webster, a prophet is someone who declares publicly a message that he or she believes has come from God. Determining false prophets from true, true prophets is a sermon for another time. But speaking with a prophetic voice is what every follower of Christ is called to do. To bear the word so that others might live. The word of God is always a two-edged sword and perhaps the only way for us to proclaim God's word with equal effect is by making it a part of ourselves, by immersing ourselves in it, even by eating it, as Ezekiel does later in chapter 2. When that happens, when we eat the text, even the hard word becomes for Ezekiel and for us as sweet as honey, since God word, God's word, law and gospel always seek to promote life. Jesus fulfilled Ezekiel's vision completely. He ate the scroll fully, hard words and sweet words, so that in him the word became flesh. Then everything he said and did bore witness to God's presence, persistent purpose to save us and the world from whatever catastrophe is coming, whether outside or inside ourselves, so that all might live. In our second lesson, Paul too speaks of a vision. Unfortunately, we don't get all the gory details of this vision as in Ezekiel. Here, Paul refers to himself in the third person and tells people of the vision he had in paradise, in the presence of God, the third heaven. To clarify, the first heaven is known as the atmospheric sky, and the second heaven is the planetary sky. The third heaven is known as the dwelling place of God. Paul goes on to say he doesn't really know what happened, whether in the body or out of the body, 
but that he heard things that cannot be told, which man may not utter. If Paul wanted to, he could have told more about, but he resisted, so that the Corinthians could evaluate him on the basis of what they had seen or heard in him. Boasting of his exceptionalism was not his intention. All he wanted was for people to see him as he is, God's messenger, and to hear what he has to say for the sake of Christ. There's an underlying tension between Paul and the Corinthian church over Paul's authority and credibility. For in the chapter before this reading, Paul writes about false prophets, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. He shared about the persecutions and sufferings he endured during church planting or evangelism in the name of Christ. Beatings, being stoned, shipwrecked, almost drowning, being robbed, sleeplessness, nakedness, hunger, and thirst. Over and over, he speaks of boasting, not because he was being arrogant, but rather in confidence there is no sufficiency for true Christian ministry except from God, including the thorns in the flesh along the way. He repeats, God knows more than once in 2 Corinthians. For he had faith that the work he was doing was not his own, but was the Lord's, and that his boasting was only for Christ. Even in Paul's pleading with the Lord in prayer to remove the thorns in his side, Jesus said no. Paul knew his suffering was not in vain, for Jesus said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. When Paul was weak, he knew that his strength could only come from God. And in that weakness, they shall know that the Lord is God. Jesus knew all too well the strength of God in one's weakness when he died on the cross, for he couldn't have done it without faith that his father's strength and love would get him through all that he endured. In our gospel lesson, there's more questioning of authority and credibility of yet another prophet, the greatest prophet of all, Jesus. In the first half of our reading, Mark tells us how Jesus' teaching was questioned by those who knew him and his family. The same people who were astonished at the wisdom and the mighty works of Jesus of Nazareth now took offense at the carpenter whose mother, brothers, and sisters they knew so well. He says, a prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and among his relatives and in his own household. It was as if Jesus' energy gets zapped right out of him. He who met every need of man with God's creative power, but gave no sign in response to all the questioning and demanding unbelief, could do no mighty work there, except he healed a few people. What surprises Jesus most, though, is their unbelief. Men who come to Jesus to argue and test him cannot find the way to the Messiah. Jesus, most, Jesus must, in sorrow, leave them to the judgment their unbelief invites. Yet they continue their, their demand for a sign all the way to the cross. So Jesus continues on his way, teaching in other villages. But he doesn't go alone. In the second half of our gospel lesson, Jesus calls his disciples together, gathers them close, extending his authority to them, 
giving them power over unclean spirits. He sends them out in pairs and tells them, take nothing except a staff, wear your sandals, but don't wear two shirts. Christ sends them out with a message from God, casting out demons and healing the sick. Their faith was strong, and they knew they were not alone on this journey. They urged people to repent, but whether the people heard or refused to hear, that wasn't, the disciple, that wasn't for the disciples to be concerned with. They were to shake it off and continue Christ's ministry elsewhere. Today, we too are given the opportunity to share Christ with others as the disciples did. Deaconess E. Louise Williams in her keynote address at the 2002 Diaconate of the Americans and Caribbean Conference said this, just as Jesus girded himself before he washed feet, tying out of the way whatever would interfere with what he needed to do, so we will do well to gird ourselves for the journey and rid ourselves of excess baggage, to travel light, to be responsive, mobile, accessible. Like St. Hildegard, patron saint of musicians and writers, we will seek to be a feather on the breath of God, ready to go wherever the spirit blows us. To prepare for such a journey seems daunting, but by reading the Bible and studying the gospel, we experience a powerful means of encountering Christ. When one reads the gospel, it is a reminder, a symbol of that close connection between what we say we believe and how we act. In the gospels, we have stories about Jesus. We also have stories that Jesus told. There we meet. Jesus, the storyteller. We too have stories to tell, stories of how Christ has worked in our lives. If you love God and you know God loves you, but you aren't sure how to talk about it with others, share your story and you'll be sharing Christ with others. Seek to see with the eyes of God and to speak with the voice of God. Whether they hear or refuse to hear, that's not for us to be bothered with. Our job is to spread the word. The word of God, the Bible. It's the ultimate declaration of independence. It declares that we are free from the sin that separates us from God and eternal life with him. Its words are right and true. When we spend time in the word, our minds and our hearts are open to the work of the Holy Spirit. Read it daily. Spend time in prayer and meditation. When we worship together, we are in community with one another in the presence of the Lord. Gather together and receive communion, Christ's body and blood, as often as you are able. Because when we put it all together, we're in close proximity to our Lord, the only one who can forgive us all and set us free. And in my opinion, there's no better freedom than that. Lord, help us be that church. Amen. Do you believe in God the Father? I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. Do you believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God? I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. 
He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. Do you believe in God, the Holy Spirit? I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let us pray for all people in their various needs, for the church around the world, and for those near and dear to us. Gracious Heavenly Father, we ask that you would prosper and defend your holy church. Let your Holy Spirit in this congregation and faithful congregations around the world give us your vision for the future and a reverence for your example in the past. Help us to trust you and be obedient to your will. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, bless our nation as we celebrate our independence this week. Bless all leaders, elected officials, and citizens of this nation to strive for holiness and to live lives that are worthy of being your people. Help us to cherish the freedom, safety, and comfort given to us. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. Remember, O Lord, all who join with us in prayer, all our sisters and brothers wherever they may be, in your vast kingdom who stand in need of your guidance, strength, and comfort. Especially we pray for those we name in our hearts now. In their time of trouble, assure them of your presence and love. Lord, in your mercy. Gracious God, you have poured out upon us the fullness of your mercy and love. Your spirit anoints us and your son redeems us. You continue in faithfulness to us, even when we have not been faithful to you. We praise you, O God, and together as your people, we call upon your name this day and ask you make us be blessings to others. As we have been blessed, so help us be a blessing. Lord, in your mercy. Into your hands, O Lord, we commend ourselves and all for whom we pray. We will trust in you. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, we boldly pray. Amen.